Hey, welcome to the Impact Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you like it was to us. Let's go ahead and jump into it. The text we read from tonight is Genesis 1, uh, Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And the subject is going to be how to be a good host. How to be a good host. When the Lord began speaking to me about this message, he first took me back to the time in which there was no unlimited access to the presence of God. We live in a time where the veil has been torn, amen. But there was a point in time to where every year the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies with the atonement and make atonement for the whole nation of Israel. And at that time, at that specific annual time, the Shekinah, the glory, the, 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 the Holy Spirit, the presence of God would manifest itself in the Holy of Holies in the temple and tabernacle of the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 27, when Solomon is dedicating the temple, and if, if, for those of you who do not know, Solomon, the wisest man in all the world, the wealthiest person to ever walk the planet, he makes Elon Musk look like couch change, like spare change, Amen. Solomon, it was in his father David's heart to build the Lord a tabernacle, a temple. The Lord would not permit David to do so because David had a lot of blood on his hands. So when it came time for Solomon to get in office, the preparation had been made so that when Solomon became king of Israel, it would have been easy for, for Solomon to go forward in building this temple. It was Solomon who built the temple, the whole entire temple from floor to ceiling, all, uh, all four walls, every square inch of this temple, every instrument in this temple was laid out in pure gold. It would have been an absolute spectacle to see something of such large grandeur, such beauty, such wonder, such, such grandiosity covered in gold. But Solomon says when he dedicates the temple, but will God indeed dwell on earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built. Yet regard the prayer of your servant that your eyes may be open toward this temple day and night. And night and day toward the place of which you have said your name shall be there. That you may hear the prayer which your servant makes toward this place. Solomon understood that God did not need this temple. This temple was not made for God. This temple that, that Solomon built and all the gold and all the instruments and, and, and the exact measurements were, were, were God's specifications because God is not just going to dwell in any uh, podunk place. Amen. But God gave Solomon specific instructions, but the temple was not for God. The temple, God did not need a temple. God did not need a tabernacle of Moses. But God decided, man needs to commune with me. I want man to have a relationship with me. So I'm going to make it to where I am going to, to, to work within the limitations of man to where they can experience me. It was God's intention from the very first chapter of Genesis all the way to the third chapter when Adam and Eve fell and humanity was, was completely set on a course for destruction after that. It was, in God, it was God's intention to walk with man every single day of his life. Just like he walked with Adam in the cool of the day. But because of man's sin and their own limitations, they were stuck to a temple or a tabernacle. 
Their only access to God was through this, this temple worship and through this tabernacle worship that God instructed them to build so that they could have somewhat of a relationship with Him. So it's important for you to understand that the temple did not define God, but rather God's presence defined the temple. This is, this is very unique because in every other culture, you go to the Philistines, their God that they worship was the God of Dagon. What defined the Philistines' temple was a statue of Dagon. What defined the, 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 the Midianites' temple was a statue of Molech. What defined the, 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 the temple of Ashtaroth was a statue of Ashtaroth. There was no idol. There was no representation of God in the temple that he instructed Solomon and Moses to create. There was, no stat, there was nothing that you could distinguish and say, yeah, this is the temple of Jehovah. This is the temple of the God of Israel. This temple belongs to the Lord of hosts. You don't see a, a, a defining image within this temple. But what you do see is the thing that defines this temple is the very presence of God. Nothing fake, not an image, not something that man created. But what defined this temple was God's presence. Without God's presence, all of the gold was wasted. Without the presence of God, the four walls, and without the presence of God, this temple and all of its beauty was just four walls and a roof. There was nothing to define this temple other than the fact that God showed up. What I'm trying to tell you tonight, and, and as a, I know you, 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 know, you may know me and, and you may see me preach until my jugular vein is popping off the side of my neck. But I really want you to understand tonight. It's not going to take me. I, I can't convince you by, 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 by being preachy to you that without the presence of the Lord on a Wednesday night, this place is nothing. Without the presence of the Lord changing young people's lives, changing them from what they used to be, into the image of Christ. This place is nothing. We can have games. We can have fun. We can have pizza parties. We can have, we can have fellowship. We can have events. But without the presence of the Lord, it nothing. It does not matter. We can grow together in, 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 in our bond. But without the presence of the Lord, we're nothing. Without the presence of the Lord, this ministry is not a ministry. Without the without. Kids being changed week after week, making decisions to follow after Jesus, not because of me preaching, not because of the, 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 the huge church we go to and, and the world-famous pastor we have. That, those do not define the house of the Lord. Doesn't happen. The thing that defines whether or not this is a house of God, this is a house of bread, the Lord's name is here, is whether or not he shows up on a Wednesday, Sunday morning, and a Sunday night. So we can keep playing games, we can keep having fun, but I'm telling you, young generation, if you do not get hungry for the presence of God, it does not amount to anything. Without God's presence, the temple was just four walls and a roof. Without God's presence, impact is just a social club. Without God's presence, youth leaders are just leaders with, with no direction and no vision. Youth pastors are, are, are just people who get paid. Without God's presence, everything is just worthless. God's presence brings value to everything that we do. 
Because when we invest in this ministry, when we, when we invest in your, when, you're in, when your generation gets hungry for the Lord and, and the Lord shows up, everything else has value. The games we do are not just games, but they, but, but they are to build community. I, I, I'm just trying to explain to you that his presence has to be the priority. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, when Solomon dedicates the temple, Solomon understands that Levitical law requires the Ark of the Covenant to be in the Holy of Holies. You may not understand what the Ark of the Covenant is. What the Ark of the Covenant is, is a type and a shadow of Jesus Christ. It's a type and shadow of the sacrifice of which Jesus made on the cross. So anytime you ever hear the Ark of the Covenant, I, want you to, I, I just want you to see Jesus. Amen. I just want you to see the cross. I just want you to see the sacrifice that Jesus made. But on this, when this Ark of the Covenant was in its rightful place and the priest sprinkled the blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat, God atoned, the, the, the atonement was made for Israel. The Lord showed up above, the, on the mercy seat, the, 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 the top lid of the Ark of the Covenant in between the two angel statues. For every, that, that's about as, in layman's terms as I can get, praise God. But when the Ark of the Covenant was brought into its rightful place, where it was supposed to be, where the priority was, was what it should be. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 5 that when the ark was in its rightful place in the temple, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house. I want you to understand that when God is in his rightful positions, Corporately in this ministry and in your heart. The presence of the Lord is attracted to your life. When God is in his rightful place where he should be. When God is made number one priority above yourself, above the ministering, which the priests were doing. The priests were doing everything right. But they had to step aside when the glory of the Lord filled, when, 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 when God showed up. When God shows up, we have to understand that there's nothing. We need to just get out of the way when God shows up. We need to be able to step out of our own way and get out of God's way and to say, God, I can't. You, only you can do the impossible. We have to be willing to step aside, to, 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 to set our egos aside, to set our attitudes aside, to set every other um, um, thing we've got on our to-do list aside when God shows up. But first, he must be in his rightful place. I'm going to ask a lot of rhetorical questions tonight, but the first one I'm going to ask is God, is Jesus Christ in his rightful place in your life? Is he in his rightful place on the throne of your heart? Is he second place? Is he third place? Or is he your first priority? Because whether or not he is, depend, is, 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 it, it is directly linked to whether or not the presence of the Lord is active in your life. Then we get to the apology of Stephen in, the, in Acts chapter 7. And he explains, he, 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 he makes the Old Testament very clear because he says, Guys, Solomon built the Lord a house. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands. It was never God's intention to be confined to a temple. But what happened was our own limitations limited our access to God. Our own humanity, our own failures and missteps and, and, and our own inadequacies limited how much we could have of God. But Stephen tells them, Jesus died so that you don't have to go to a temple anymore. 
The Lord's not confined to a temple because his blood has forgiven you. You are forgiven. The, 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 the mercy seat has been covered by the blood of the Lamb of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no limitations to the presence of God anymore. It was never God's intention to dwell in a building. It was never God's intention to stay behind a veil. But when Jesus died, the veil was torn, meaning I have access. The Lord doesn't live in a temple of gold. This is beautiful. The Lord does not choose anymore to live in the most beautiful places. The most beautiful building ever constructed was Solomon's temple. Yet God God chooses, God chose, and he desires to live in me, a fleshly, carnal being. Who's going to continue to fail? Who's going to fail over and over again? But the Lord would rather live in me than in a temple decked out with gold. So I want you to understand tonight that the presence of the Lord that filled the temple in the Old Testament is the presence of the Lord that fills this temple right now. The presence of the Lord that filled the, the Holy of Holies can fill and live in my spirit. The Lord lives in me now. Do you understand, young people? The Lord isn't upstairs on a Sunday night. He's not just hanging out at the altar. That's not where he chooses to live. The Lord chooses to live in each and every single one of you. I don't care how many times you've messed up. I don't care how many times you're going to continue to mess up. The Lord chose to live in you. When you understand that the temple worship is how we, should, how we ought to conduct our own lives, we can attract the presence of God. But the veil has been torn, and we are the true temple of the Lord. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Do you not know that the Spirit of God desires to dwell in you? The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead wants to live on the inside of you? The same Jesus that, 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 that raised Lazarus from the dead wants to live inside of you? The power that, 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 that conquered hell, death, and the grave and went to the cross for me wants to live on the inside of me? How do we continue to live in sin if that's the case? Why do we continue to go our own way and say, Lord, you can stay in, you can, you can live in impact, but I don't want you in me. Because week after week after week, you can come in here and see the presence of the Lord and, 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 and see kids experience him. But he, he just doesn't want to dwell over here. He wants to live in you. He wants to take your life and make something out of you. He doesn't want you to stay as you are because he knows what's best for you. And so do you not know that the Holy Spirit dwells in you and that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? Is Jesus in his rightful place in your temple? In your spirit, does Jesus sit on the throne of your heart? Is he your number one priority? Is he your number one focus? Because just like the presence of the Lord defined that temple, Solomon's temple, the same way that the presence of the Lord defines my life. There is no idol. There is is nothing that can define me other than the presence of God. Without the presence of the Lord, I'm just a man. Without the presence of the Lord, Peter was just a fisherman. Without the presence of the Lord, Paul was just a radical Pharisee. But when the presence, when you allow Jesus to sit where he is supposed to sit in your temple, in your body, in your spirit, he will make something out of you. Amen. Can anybody testify to that tonight? And so we get to 
this concept of, of, of temple worship. And when Jesus decides to come into your life, are you going to allow him to make himself at home? We read from the text that we read tonight that when Abraham encountered God, the Bible first says when Abraham, when Abraham saw the Lord, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. When, when the presence of the Lord shows up, are you willing to drop everything and go make sure that you do not miss this moment with the Lord? I'm sure Abraham had cattle to tend to. I'm sure Abraham was doing, was, 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 maybe had a date night with Sarah. I'm sure Abraham had a lot of things going on. But when the Lord showed up in Abraham's life, Abraham did not waste any time. Guys, we need a sense of urgency for the presence of the Lord. We can't play baby with it anymore. We can't, we can't just, you know, act like it's some, 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 some furniture item that we can just pull out every now and then and, and, and just say, this is the presence of the Lord. No, but we have to have a sense of urgency. Your generation is going through the, 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 the I, I would dare to say that your generation has the hardest time of any other generation in the world. Things are coming to a climax in history. Things are ramping up. The more that things ramp up, the more that you need the presence of God active in your life. We need a sense of urgency. We can't just come into a worship service anymore and be okay that when they stop singing the second song, that our worship is done for the week. Even in the service. Guys, if the President of the United States of America, I, look, maybe that's a bad explanation. Forgive me, let's, do, let's go somewhere else. It, you know what, let's stay with that because it's the office, amen. Respect, if, if you can't respect the man, respect the office, and that's wisdom. But if the president of the United States of America walked in here, you would give him, you, all eyes would be on him. Everybody would be waiting to see what he does. You would present yourself in a respectful manner. We need to treat the Lord as if he is the most important thing at any given moment. When we come into a service, are we just here for fellowship? Are we just here to, 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 to hang out with our friends and to enjoy the summer and to go to a bunch of events and church trips? Or do we come to church to experience the Lord? Come on, we can experience Jesus. Amen. This, is not, this, is, this doesn't have to be a rare occasion to, 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 to see a move of God, but this can be an every week thing. But it, but it comes down to, do we have a sense of urgency about the presence of the Lord? Abraham was willing to stop whatever he was doing to go meet the Lord. Are we willing to stop what we're doing? <clears throat> it was interesting to me because when I, when I read this, I saw Abraham as, as a host. He was hosting the Lord. The Lord showed up and Abraham automatically just welcomed him in and, and, and took care of him and accommodated the Lord. When you go into a restaurant, uh, give me a, where's Mason? Mason, come up here, buddy. Now, Mason's a high, Mason is a highfalutin person who just came to Jeff Ruby's on a Friday night. Amen. Mason had reservations. He, he did the due diligence. He, 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 him and his date, maybe, right, went to Jeff Ruby's. Mason is making it good. Amen. He's ready for the cowboy ribeye and, and the macaroni and cheese. But he showed up to the hostess table. Come over here. If Mason comes up to the host table and says, all right, reservation for Coon, party of two, where's our table? And I'm sitting here, and as soon as he starts talking to me, I just walk away. And I go tend to something else. What do you think he's going to feel like? 
What do you think he's going to feel like? He's going to feel like, like I'm not his number one priority. He's going to feel like, like, like everything else is on my mind but him. And let me tell you something. The same as it goes with the Lord as it does in the world. The customer comes first. Amen. When the Lord shows up, everything has to go. I don't care what I was doing. I have a sense of urgency that as of this moment at Jeff Ruby's hostess table, Mason is the most important person to me. Uh, the dishes have to be put aside. Every Everything else has to be put aside because he is my main priority. Amen. Thank you, Mason. The same way we have to, we, we, we have to approach the Lord. When the Lord shows up, are you just willing to just walk away? Are you willing to cut, to, to, to cut corners and to, to go back to your seat and to rush things and, and to say, I can't wait to get out of praise and worship. I can't wait to get out of service. Are you willing to stay and to accommodate the Lord no matter how long he stays? Because if you... If you let him live in your soul, he's there to stay. Secondly, the Bible says that Abraham pleaded with God, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass by on your servant. We, <clears throat> we have to live in a place where God looks at us with favor. A life pleasing to God. Does your life please the Lord? Look, when you go to a restaurant, I don't care how nice it is, Faith and I do this. If Mason was to go to Jeff Ruby's before he ever made a reservation, before Mason ever showed up with his date to Jeff Ruby's, Mason probably would have looked up reviews on that restaurant. If that review had pictures of cockroaches, come on, amen. Anybody ever been to Waffle House? I'm totally kidding. I love Waffle House. If, if, if Mason looked up the reviews for this restaurant before he made reservations and, and saw people complaining, saying, this place, the, the, the food was trash, the service was terrible, the host didn't even sit us, they sat us outside by a bus stop, and we got ran and, and it started raining, and there was no umbrella, you're probably not going to go there. Amen. The same with our lives. If we are not living in a place where God can look at us favor, favorably and say, I, I, I have seen Abraham. He got up and went when I said to go. He has obeyed me up until this point. When God looks at your life, does he see your life with favor? Does God look at you and say, this place is a mess? Does God look at your life and, and, and like, a, like a Yelp review? Like a Yelp review, when, look, Faith has left a Yelp review at a Speedway gas station. It was disgusting. It was the worst place I've ever been to. And I'm probably not going to go there again because the reviews were so bad. But I'm telling you, live a life that is pleasing to God. Because Abraham's second part of that conversation was, do not let your servant, do not pass your servant by. I don't want my life to cause the Lord to pass me by when I need him. I want to live in a place constantly Constantly where I am in a close relationship with the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Austin. <clears throat> and then and the Bible says in, in Genesis uh, 18, verses 4 through 8, that, that, that Abraham is accommodating the Lord. He's, he's saying, let me go get a basin of water so I can wash your feet. Let me go make bread. Let me go. Actually, that, like I said before, 60 gallons of bread, of 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 meal that Sarah was to make. That is almost enough for about 60 people. In other words, I see Abraham saying, I'm going to make enough that if they get hungry after, they're going to stay a little longer. Abraham was preparing the Lord to stay there a, a very long time. Amen. Are we willing to just wait and tarry with the Lord and to say, God, I just want you to show up. I don't care how long it takes. Your presence is the priority. 
Amen. So Abraham is accommodating the Lord. When you welcome somebody into your home, you want them to feel as if they are at their own home. The same with the Lord. When, the, when you welcome the Lord into your life, you're not telling him, you take your shoes off at the door. I don't want you to ruin anything that I've got going on. I don't want you to rearrange the furniture. I don't want you to paint the walls. I don't want you to change the color of my office. I don't want you to change what color blinds that we have and, 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 and what kind of curtains we have. But when the Lord enters into your life, he has to change some things. Amen. Will you let the Lord make himself at home and to make it better than it was before? You can resist the Holy Spirit your entire life and you'll be worse off for it. But I'm telling you that when you let Jesus in your life and you let him rearrange things, you will be better for it. He's going to rearrange some things in your life. I'm not who I used to be four years ago when I first got saved. Because he's continually rearranging and changing things. What does bad service look like? We've seen Abraham be a good host to the Lord. He's accommodated him. He's lived a life that, 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 that is favorable to the Lord. He's, having, he's had a sense of urgency. But we read in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 41, that Mary and Martha are Lazarus' sisters. And as Jesus is passing by, Martha welcomes Jesus into her home. Martha, the Bible literally says Martha welcomes Jesus into her home. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that Jesus is in their house, yet Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to Jesus, and spending quality time with him while Martha's doing the dishes and serving everybody. What does Martha say? Martha says, do you not care, Jesus, that I'm, I'm serving all by myself and my sister's just here with you? I'm telling you, if Jesus would have left that house without telling Martha, she would have had no idea he even left. Are we too distracted with things in our own life that we didn't even miss when God left? God may have left a long time ago and you're just now realizing he's not even there anymore. Because when he was there, you didn't give him any attention. When the Lord shows up in your life or on a Wednesday night or whenever it is, do you, do you stop whatever you're doing to just focus on him? Martha's priorities were serving, but Mary's was Jesus. Martha welcomed Jesus into her home, but ignored him while he was there. That's what I call lip service. We can't give the Lord lip service on a Wednesday and say, God, I want you in my life. I want you to show up in power. But when he shows up, we act like he's not even there because we're worried about what he's going to do in our own lives. Is his presence the priority? Mary's priority was Jesus, but Martha's was everything but Jesus. Does Jesus have your full attention? Does Jesus have your, your, your eyes on him? Or are you too busy doing everything? Or are you too busy catering to everything else that you've got in your life? You don't even have enough time to focus on your relationship with Jesus. Because he was there in the house the whole time. But Martha let everything distract her from the very fact that the Lord was sitting in her house. And she got mad when, when, when Mary was focusing on Jesus. That's just like it is with, 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 with people that allow things to distract them from Jesus. They want to point out everybody who's focusing on Jesus and say, why aren't they doing what I'm doing? Why aren't they? Because we want justification when we're not living right. Martha just wanted to justify herself that if Mary served with her, it was okay. It would have been okay for Martha to serve had Mary been doing it. But the very fact that Mary was worshiping Jesus and focusing on him cut Martha to the heart to the point where she felt convicted for what she was doing. 
Does your life convict people who don't know Jesus? Does your life show them Jesus? Does your life point to the very fact that you're sitting at his feet? Or are you too distracted with everything else? Amen. So does Jesus have your full attention? And then I want to ask you, how precious is his presence to you? Abraham said, do not pass by on your servant. Maybe I'm preaching to myself, but I don't want the Lord to pass me by when he shows up. I don't want to miss out on what God has in store for me. And I don't want God to, I don't want to miss out on what, I don't want impact to miss out on what God has in store for each and every single young person in here. Because we have not made his presence a priority. I want to be a good host for the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want to be a good host that whenever he comes in, he feels at home and, 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 and he knows that this is the place to be. We've created, we, we, we have set aside everything so that the moment he shows up, he is our number one priority. Miracles, signs, and wonders are tied to our priorities. If we want to see miracles, signs, and wonders, like the older generation did, like Gideon saw, like the people in the Old Testament and the New Testament saw, like the New Testament church experience, if we want to see the God of miracles, signs, and wonders show up, He must be the priority. His presence must be the priority, not your presence, not your attendance. Because God, His presence defines this place. He defines this place. Abraham was not going to miss his moment with the Lord. His presence is never without miracles, signs, and wonders. Whenever the presence of the Lord shows up, things change. Whenever the presence of the Lord shows up, families are put back together. People are healed and restored. Guys, this is not about feeling a goosebump running down your spine and, 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 and shaking and shouting. The presence of the Lord is about being changed, being changed from glory to glory. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord, we want His presence because we can't live without it. If you live without his presence, you will never know a miracle. You will never know a sign. You will never know a wonder. You'll never know what it's like to be restored after something tragic happens. Without the presence of the Lord, you will never know that you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Without the presence of the Lord, you'll never know him to be a provider when you have nothing. When you never experience the presence of the Lord, you'll never know him to be the owner of the cattle of a thousand hills. Or Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals me. You'll never know him because you haven't made him a priority. This is my wife right here. High five, babe. This is my wife. But if I never took the time to make her a priority, we, our relationship would not be what it, uh, what it is. But we're married. She is my number one priority. That is why she knows me better than anybody else. Amen. When you want to know the Lord, you can't just ask other people and get a secondhand resource. I am not that way and neither should you. I must find out for myself if this thing is legitimate or not. Because you may be doubting me as I'm preaching right now and I'm almost finished. But I want to let you know that this thing is realer than the person sitting to the left and the right of you. That the presence of the Lord is real. You 
You can experience restoration. You can experience miracles. I don't care how big it is. I don't care how bad it looks. The presence of the Lord changes things. And my past, my, 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 my past history does not determine the fact of it, whether or not I can experience Jesus. Because he, his mercy is new every single morning and his compassions fail not. So I hate to break it to the devil. But if you've messed up five minutes before church started tonight, you can experience Jesus. If you messed up five weeks ago, you can experience Jesus. If you messed up five seconds ago, you can experience Jesus. I don't care what your family history is. I don't care what denomination they're from. I don't care who your grandparents were, whether or not you know your parents or not. You can experience Jesus. This thing is real. And I'm not going to take, don't take my word for it. Find out for yourself tonight. Don't take my word for it. Find out for yourself. His presence must be a necessity. Thanks for listening. If you were blessed or encouraged, go ahead and subscribe to the Impact Podcast and share it with a friend to bless them too. Connect with us on Instagram at impactym. And remember, you can have as much of God as you want.